Amen. This is Mother's Day, and I know you've got plans to be with Mom, and Jesus knows that too, and so I will not hold you long today because we want moms to know, amen, they're special. I'm going to try to minister in a way that I'm speaking on behalf of moms to the kids, amen? And uh, today's title of the message is, What If We Can't Lose? Amen. Moms have a way to make you believe you can win. When you get that scrape on your knee and, amen, you have to put methylate on the sore. They, they blow on it just right. Dad don't know how to, he spits all over it. Mom knows how to blow on it. And so a message from heaven, amen, through moms that understand what it is, amen, to go through life. And they look at it from a lens of compassion and care and concern and Amen. We're going to start with Jesus because Jesus started that from the very beginning. And so if you'll just join with me instead of trying to figure out how you can prove the title wrong, amen, what if we can't lose? I'll just go ahead and give you, uh, 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 so you, so you can get the Bible study out of your mind, amen, you can choose to lose. You can choose to lose. God is in charge but he won't control anybody. Amen. You're in control of your thought life. You're in control of your decisions in life. And we make choices every day that looks like we're making bad decisions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And God works with that. And he gives us a story, a love story, that will give us an insight on the process we're in to become who he says we are. The very beginning, God wanted a man, someone to walk with. He looked for a man. He looked for someone that he could work his love through to the thing that he created and loved the most. And so God takes and forms out of dust humanity and gives humanity his presence, gives humanity identity, gives humanity powerfulness and through humanity god would allow him to walk humanity was available and god was able to take care of what he loved his creation through the one that walked with him amen isn't it good to know that we can walk with jesus and so jesus takes 12 men of which the religious gurus of that day were said were ignorant and unlearned. He picked what we call a motley crew. Amen. And he gives them an assignment to come walk with me. Isn't that kind of like, I just need you to come walk with me. And then he tells them, I want you to join together because I don't like to be alone. I don't want you to be alone. So he puts pairs them up by twos and sends them out and gives them instructions to go tell, to speak. To communicate, the kingdom of God is here and heal the sick. And so Jesus comes to demonstrate what God's intent for you was in the very beginning. And he starts allowing God, he said, he would only say what he heard his father say, Jesus. And he would only do what he saw his father do. And so he's hearing his father invite through him people to come follow me. And I will make you. 
Isn't it interesting the great commission of God is that we go and baptize and make disciples? Amen. Was that God's plan in the very beginning in taking care of his garden and taking care of his creation? Is that his creation would know him on a new lens, through a new lens by way of relationship. And so he makes it easy. Adam walked with the voice of God in the cool of the day. And he took care of God's business. For you that are still trying to figure out why Adam was so intelligent that he can name all the animals, amen, and, and uh, do it with just ease, it's because he could hear his daddy saying, that's a fish, that's a lion, that's a goat. That, and he, he kept hearing his daddy, and he would repeat. Man, if you ever figured this out, you're you're pretty, you're pretty intelligent from heaven's lens. If you choose to walk with him. Amen. So what if it's potentially hard or impossible to actually lose when you are available to him? Amen. And so during the ministry of Jesus Christ, he was really in essence, still by himself because a promise needed to happen. And if you go read Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8, you'll see Jesus tell them. They've been following him. They've been following the instruction, but they were still in the follow mode. I need you to hang out here until you be endowed with the presence of God, the Spirit of God, just like Adam was in the beginning. Adam, in the beginning, was covered. He wasn't naked. He was covered by the presence of God. It's when he fled the presence of God in the midst of the trees that he finds out, oh, I'm naked. The presence of God will cover you. The presence of God will finish a work in you that God intended from the very beginning. The presence of God is the key to you being the winner that God says you are. And so in Acts chapter 1 of this thing we call the Bible, thank God for that, Jesus is letting them know, I want you to hang out until you be covered in my presence. You're filled with my spirit. You're baptized in my name. You have identity now, amen, so that you can pick up where Adam left off in the beginning. Isn't it interesting that Jesus as one could do wonderful things. Isn't that awesome? If, 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 if a book was written or books were written on everything that he did, the world couldn't contain the books. That's what we read in the scripture, right? But as one, he done some pretty spectacular stuff, doesn't he? But we know according to God, only one, one can only put a thousand to flight. One person could do pretty good, a thousand. Enemy, man, get messed up. But with two and three, and Jesus is standing there talking to his group that's listening, who says, yeah, I've done some pretty awesome stuff as one. But I'm about to invite you in, and you're going to experience what my presence is like and what our true identity is, and you're going to live a life of winning, not without challenges, though. And he invites them in. And he said, greater works than I've done, you're going to do. The Lord's speaking to you right here and right now. 
you ain't seen your best day yet. And yet it looks like you've been living out a life of failure, that you've been losing. But give me a few moments to encourage you today from heaven that Jesus, when he came, it looked like he was losing there for a while. I mean, you tell me, when he's standing alone and his disciples have already run and hid because they're afraid for their own life, the fear of dying had then gra grabbed them and they're running. And he's standing before a mob, all of Jerusalem, people he had fed, people he had healed, people he had been kind and courteous and loved them. And now they're saying together in unison, crucify him, let the blood of our children, let his blood be up on us and our children. When, when you're standing there, it looks like you're losing, don't it? But Jesus went through what he went through because he was showing us how to win. What if failure is a key factor in the process of you becoming who God says you are? What if going through storms that seem to be unfair be very necessary for you to understand him and you and the power that you possess, the identity that you hold, the mission that God has commissioned you to walk on? Come on, moms, join with me, because you want to tell your kids the same message. You want them to get a revelation that that scrape on the knee and that bobo on the arm, and that knot on the head because they fell down the stairs. It's going to be okay. Amen. You're going to make it because you're going to learn how to scale the stairs. You're going to learn how to ride the bike, and you're going to be having a relationship with all the things in life that matter the most. And so I want to take a few moments and give you some steps. If <laughs> You know, I'm trying not to be bound by steps, but they kind of help some people. <laughs> yes, somebody said, step number one. <laughs> How is it that when I feel like I'm lo losing, I can be encouraged to know that I'm moving forward in a process to become a winner? Number one, God gives us the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Amen. He gives us his spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. If we could ever get the self-discipline nailed down, because most of us, we think that's performance. And most of you, amen, are going to be delivered today from your idea that I got to earn an audience with our daddy. You don't earn an audience with your, you got him already. We're in trouble because we don't understand what this self-discipline really looks like. Amen? And so, what if when I think I'm always entertaining thoughts of how I can win instead of the potential that I might lose in this setting? Anybody ever considered the win-loss setting instead of the win-win? What if... In God's kingdom and God's plan for you and him, it's always win-win. It's never win with a potential of loss. 
What if that's true? Because if we, if, we, if we consider this today, what happens when I think I might lose? What happens when I think a relationship that I'm in might hurt me? What do I do? What's the, what's, thing, what's the thing that we all do it when we think we might lose? We self-protect. We enter into the mode of taking care of number one. And we're already deceived. But the idea that you can lose is evidence that the enemy's been communicating to you. And he is so convincing. Know this. When you have a conversation with him, somebody says, I ain't never had a conversation with you. Oh, yeah, more than you think. Because the fruit of your life says you've been talking to him. Oh, yeah. And when you play poker with the devil, he always wins. He takes everything you got. He's there to steal, kill, and destroy. And he don't want you to know it's him you're talking to. Ah, self-protecting. Amen. And we, when I self-protect, I move in to getting advice from some, someone. Who do we normally get advice from when we're in the self-protect mode? Yeah, the guy in the mirror, the girl in the mirror. That's who we go to first. Introspection means to walk side by side with yourself. And the last time I checked, myself ain't helped me a lot. And so the temptation to have a conversation with myself about how we're going to do this seems logical. But anybody ever think to themselves? Well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to think to myself, why, why, you, why you need to go home? Why don't you take care of yourself right now? And so the temptation to get advice from me when me hadn't helped me yet, me keeps getting me in bad situations all the time. And we prove that to be the case. And so God has given us the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline to know that I should have an advisor in my life. Well, if I need an advisor, who should I go to? Someone else? Well, maybe. But most of the time, someone else don't really help you a lot unless they understand who they are. Someone else will get you in trouble too. Amen. So Jesus is asking us to trust him. The greatest form of worship, trust. And if I trust him, I'm going to go to him first. Ask, seek, and knock. Amen. That's a beautiful plan, isn't it? But I don't know if God will talk to me. Well, the reason you're thinking like that is because you're still in the mindset of the fact that I can potentially lose here. And when I think that I might lose, amen, I'm still listening to another voice that says, look, you think God talks to you? I, I, everyone in this room, I, I feel the liberty to encourage you. If you haven't heard God speak, he's been talking quite some time. Why won't we take the time to listen to what he's saying? You know why? Because we spend more time listening to what other people are saying, reading what other people are writing. 
And we spend a lot of time reading what other people write, thinking it's significant in the fact that it gives us more intelligence. But really, we get dumber in the process. We become not smart. Pastor, be careful. No, this is good because you need to go down that road and get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And realize that when you find out that all the books in this world that people are writing without the inspiration of the Spirit, yeah, it's a lot of information, but it ain't working out for you. Amen? Why don't we spend some time listening to what Jesus has to say? You know why we don't? Because I don't like what he says and how he says it. Why is that? Because it don't support the fact that I can be in charge and in control of my life. When if you ever take the time to realize it, you were designed to be in control. You were designed to choose him. And he will wait on you to go choose other voices, other writers, other ways of thinking. He will wait till you test all that out kind of like riding a bike. Anybody ever jumped on a bike and rode it the first time and it was fine and you didn't fall? Anybody, anybody raise your hand on that? Because if you do raise your hand, I'm going to be concerned about you have a lying spirit on you. <laughs> no, we all wanted to ride the bike, didn't we? And, and we needed someone to help us. Potentially, some of us got away with just being hard-headed and just through the school of hard knocks, we finally got that thing leveled out right? We got those that wear those kind of lenses here. Hey Amen. I got it. I don't need no help. Yeah, we need, we need, our greatest need is Jesus. But it was after several wrecks, several challenges and, and crying potentially a pretty good bit that that bike leveled out and we was able to ride that thing. We didn't ride it perfect. Matter of fact, we had some more accidents. And it looked like we were losing, didn't it? It looked like we kept losing, but we were in the process of winning. Amen. Jesus comes out of that grave, and it was for the joy of what he suffered, the cross, going through rejection, appearing like he lost, that he comes out victorious, and he brings this message of hope for us to give to others. The kingdom of God has come. Now heal the sick. Bring hope. And so he gives us this spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, amen, to develop in who we truly are as winners, amen. And so like you moms, you know that Johnny is going to eventually walk, and you keep propping him up. Dads do it too. They want, they want their, their guys to be men. Yep. And they want their little girls, and I don't know if it's time to walk. We'll wait till you're 16, and we'll help you walk. And then we'll have a debate about it, maybe, maybe to 30. Because you don't grow a brain till you're 30. Anybody catching on here? 
the message of hope, amen, that we are winners. What's the, what's, the, what's the second thing that we can consider today that helps us know that we're in the process of winning, that will help us understand that we're not lose, losers. We don't run alone, do we? We don't run alone. Every one of us has a race to run. Some of you are trying to run someone else's race. You don't want to do that. So how do we, how do we run this race? In Hebrews 12 and 1, it says, Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, with a purpose, with, with a zeal, with, with amen. I'm not quitting. I'm in and I'm not jumping out of this race. Run with a determination. Keeping your eyes, amen, on him. We do this by seeing Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Amen. Uh, we can learn from others when we're running the race. Amen. But we're not there to run their race, and they're not there to run your race. Every one of us has been given a race that makes it personal between you and the one that's in love with you. Amen. That's passionate about you and your identity. He knows who you are better than you know who you are. In this race, we're getting this download that this is who I am. And when, and, and when in my race, God's not asking me to go encourage everybody to run my race and be who I am. Amen? The person you're sitting next to, the person in front of you, behind you, you're close to, across the building, they're unique. They're members of a body. This hand's not like the foot. How can the hand say to the foot, I have no need of thee? We need each other, and we need each other to be who we're designed to be. Everybody is running a unique race. And yeah, you can encourage me. You can, you can help me know who I am, but I can't do it like you do it. Because as you walk with him, he needs the hand. He needs the foot. He needs the arm to do specific things that demonstrate his love from us to the world around us. Amen? And so we make a conscious decision to be available and let the king come to his house and be king of his kingdom within, setting up the throne of our hearts. Every one of us have a, a passion to be kind and courteous and amen and temperate and long-suffering. And, There's no law against the fruit of the Spirit, is there? Everybody's attracted to the fruit of the Spirit. Even the most wicked people in the earth are attracted to the fruit of the Spirit. And the only way they can ever step into their place in the body of Christ and become who God designed them to be is someone is salty enough. Someone is light enough. Amen. They've, they've come into fellowship with the Lord, and all their life depicts is, yes, Lord. We don't understand what God's doing, but we're available. And Adam, as he would repeat what God was saying to him, he walked with the voice of God in the cool of the day. This is who you are. Fallen Adam coming back into true identity in Christ. And he heard the voice of God, and he walked with the voice of God in the cool of the day. And he will repeat what God was saying. And guess what Adam got out of that? 
Everything that Adam would say was creative. Everything that Adam would speak, something would manifest out of his mouth. It would show up. And it was God at work through him, loving his garden, tending to his garden, bringing life and light to the garden. You know when you're hanging out with someone, when their heart is focused and their, and their passion, amen, is where it belongs. You can tell when someone is hosting God's presence. Every one of us can do it. Isn't it interesting that you kind of like being around those kind of people? It's like you can't, you can't hang out with them enough. It's not because of them as a personally individual. It's the presence they're hosting. It's daddy. The DNA of daddy is showing up in a way that's like, dude, I could just hang out with you forever. Amen. We thought that's what it was when we started dating one another, mama. And God was in that. But me and her did not know that there was a process of developing because there's been many times in my relationship with Tammy and hers with me that it looked like we was losing and that we might not win. Amen. And the enemy wanted to monopolize on that and get us in agreement with that so that he could be glorified and his kingdom could grow. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so he works overtime as a thief and a robber to steal, kill, and destroy your identity, to make you doubt God so that the presence of God, amen, is not, you don't feel it, but he's there. Anybody been on your, on, in your race and, you know, in your race, there's certain uh, stop points. What do you call them? Checkpoints. Amen. And if the checkpoint you're going to stop at it's beneficial to your race, like, amen, hope, joy, peace. These checkpoints are on the race. Amen, you know you're on the right race, right? But if the checkpoints that you're dealing with has to do with hatred and jealousy and envy and strife and greed, and you might be on the wrong race. Amen? Because the spirit you're hosting has everything to do with your thought life and what you're in agreement with. And you can say, I believe in Jesus, and there's a level of faith in the fact that you believe Jesus exists, but we, let, we haven't really let him come in and take over kingship in our heart. And he's waiting. And he, he, he you know what? He, he's got more patience than we can imagine. He'll let us stumble and fall and goof up and mess up and drop the ball and the list goes on to the things we do in life that the enemy keeps reminding us we're losers, we're failures, we'll never be anything, we're worthless. Anybody ever heard them voices before? And when you're, when you're living out introspection in the way that you're walking side by side with yourself, the enemy's right there. He's hiding behind you. And when you think, oh, I'm worthless, you agrees that's him talking. I'm ugly. That's him talking, but you don't understand. I am ugly. Who told you that not from God's lens? Come on, God's got mama goggles on. 
He don't see the lie that the enemy's convinced you is real. He don't see that. He sees what is real, and his investment and his design when he put you together was perfect. And all you and I need is to start the race right. When you start the race right and you get filled with the Spirit of God and you go down in the water in his name and you take the identity he redeemed you to walk in, amen, and you let that spirit inside of you take over and build a fire in you, anything negative, anything down and out, anything derogatory to you, towards you, it's like water off a duck's back. You can fly still. You're going through the storm because you have, you're on the wings of the one that makes the difference. And you're letting the Spirit of God be the source that causes you to go higher. And with all the stuff going on around, our world is messed up. But if you're spending your time crying over the fact that our world is socially whacked out and our politics is goofed up and, and our country needs prayer, thank you, Jesus, we found out they need prayer. But if you're letting it give you so much heartburn, you're talking about it all the time, you're not listening to Jesus. If your conversation is more about the social injustices that are obviously evident, and they're there because people make decisions. The choices of my daddy and my grandpa and our grandfather Adam got us here. This is the day the Lord hath made. When we choose to know this is the day the Lord hath made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. We get over the politics. We get over the social injustices. We get over the cultural influences because the kingdom of God culture is the one that has the most influence. Of this kingdom, there shall be no end. Well, I want to be a part of a kingdom that ain't going to end. All the other kingdoms and all the other governments are going to fall and crash. The sooner we accept our citizenship to the kingdom of God, that is not off out in the future, that the kingdom of God came 2,000 years ago in body form. And that that kingdom now, Christ, which is in you, the kingdom is in you and it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the way the kingdom's going to impact the earth is when we decide to say, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll walk with you. And I'm only going to say what you say, Daddy. I'm only going to do what you do. So, tell yourself quickly to quit agreeing with the fact that you're alone. We're not running this race by ourselves. He's running it with us. He chose the race, and he chose you. And his passion is you, not the race. His passion is you. Being with him in the race. He has an objective for you that he designed you. Nobody else in all of his creation can do it like you do it. That brings him the glory. That's my child. That's my daughter. That's my son. And he won't shut up about you. He talks to the devil about you. And the devil is banking that you're going to keep making bad choices and choosing to lose but your daddy believes in you and you're existing today and you're in this room today because he won't quit 
And he's available right now to show you the royalty that he says you are. He's ready to meet you when you decide you've had enough of introspection, that you've thought enough to yourself, and you've heard out all the advice that you can give you, and you're ready to give an audience. He's going to blow your mind. He don't waste any time. He's into the details. Amen. And so what if you can't lose? Amen. What if you can't lose? And there's another powerful step to this called number three. You have the mind of Christ. Oh, Pastor Lowe, I don't have the mind of Christ. If you was up in my mind right now, you would run. And you've entertained thoughts you shouldn't entertain. But what if it's okay with God that you entertained them? Well, we get silent at New Life Fellowship. There's something about a thought coming to you that is messed up, and you taking the initiative through the Spirit to cast it down. That moves heaven. Mm-hmm. Amen. You have the mind of Christ. I want to read this to you. Amen. I feel like it would help someone just to hear this read in 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? So we all can vote on that. Nobody can compete on teaching him. But Paul goes on and tells a baby church that... <laughs> needed milk. I mean, they were immature. He's telling an immature baby church that's burping up and he has to change their diapers every other moment. And, and it's like, but he understands the heart of a mother. And he begins to talk about who the mother of us all is. But he says it this way, but we understand these things for we have the mind of of Christ. So, Jesus, by way of his mercy, has given us his mind, but why do we keep refusing to use it? When we live by faith, ladies and gentlemen, he has already given us faith. When we live by faith, it's because he's already endowed us with that faith. How is that, Pastor? You have the mind of Christ. How do I know I have the mind of Christ? I'm glad you asked. Does anybody in here hope for anything at any time? Can the enemy give you hope? How did you, how did you get hope? Where did that come from? Oh, yeah, this is, this is really good. It's very important because I can bring it down here for the moms. This is very important because moms are good about encouraging hope with the kids. Amen. Not that our daddies don't do it. It's just we, we do a different thing when it encourages hope. Every one of you have hope in this building today. And there's something that is important. When Jesus goes into his hometown, and, the, and we do this when we, when we have introspection going on in our life. He goes into his hometown. He goes into the synagogue. 
and he reads from the book of Isaiah, and he blesses the hearers. And when he gets through because he's given the good news and he's blessing them with the reading of Isaiah, they get up and they say, boy, we think well of you. That was good preaching. But he wasn't looking for that. He was looking for something else from them. And so they thought well of him. So they were, they were up here a little bit. Yeah, man, that's good preaching. Thank you for that blessing. But it ain't even an hour passing. They're in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, somebody says, ain't that Joseph's son? Who does he think he is telling us that? And they challenged Jesus in the parking lot. Who do you think you are telling us? And Jesus says, let me encourage you a little bit further. The Gentiles aren't as hard-headed as you are. So he wasn't working on PR. He was giving them a loving rebuke. And they didn't like that because they're thinking to themselves, who does he think he is? And it goes from we think well of you to who do you think you are? Well, let's throw him off a cliff. And you do that and I do that with the hope we have. Anybody ever had a good idea before? And man, when, you, when the idea came in, it was like, man, I'm driving down the road. Whoo, yeah, I could do that. Man, yeah, that's a good idea. I could start a business. And man, it's like, yes. And then the traffic starts moving, and then all of a sudden you're thinking, man, you knucklehead. You, you, you can't do that. Next thing you know, now instead of a win-win, it's a win-lose thing. And, and by the time you down the road about two miles, you've already convinced yourself that would never work. You're, I, 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 no, nothing ever works for me. And you take that good idea and you throw it over the cliff. How many times have we taken good ideas that we thought were us coming up with it. And at the first moment, yeah, man, that's good. But then out in the parking lot in the spirit, we convince ourselves, mm -mm, I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. What, what am I thinking? That's stupid. And we just throw it off the cliff. You have the mind of Christ. And he keeps knocking on the door. He won't stop it. It's, I don't know how many times we've taken good ideas and trashed them, and it was him trying to tell us, I've got plans for you. Oh, oh yeah, you can start that business, and you might have rocky times with it, and you may go through turbulence, and you may even go bankrupt for a little while, but we're going to get up and try it again until we step into our identity and we tr truly trust God with what he's saying we are and who we are and perform what he's asking us to walk with him in. Look, our church world is trying to convince people. I'm hearing Bible studies all the time. You know the enemy can do a good Bible study? He's, he's the best Bible study teacher there is against the kingdom. Hear me. How many have prayed for more faith? 
I'm, I'm going to close in the next few moments. You pray. And how many of you think, I need more faith? Somebody, some of y'all are going like, man, I ain't raising my hand now. My God. I think I, have, I think I need more faith, but I don't know. Let me, let me hold on just a minute. Double check this. Faith is the substance of things. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Where'd that hope come from? The evidence things not seen. Hope, 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 hope is a key attribute. It's a checkpoint to let you know you're on track. Jesus takes the smallest thing that they knew of in that day called a mustard seed. And he says, if you got this much faith, you can say to that mountain right there, be removed and it'll move. We don't need more faith. You have the mind of Christ. You don't know how powerful you are. Right now, some of you are saying, but boy, it sure looks like I'm losing. It sure looks like, man, I'm messing up. It sure looks like everything's falling apart. But the Lord's letting you know you got all the faith you need to say to every mountain, get out of my way. I've been endowed with the presence of God. I'm empowered. I'm called by his name. I walk with him. He didn't ask me to do anything else but open my mouth and be his mouthpiece. He didn't tell me to perform all this stuff that the religious world's trying to get me to do. He asked me to come go with him and only say what I hear him say and only get involved in what I see him involved in. That's it. And at the end of this thing, none of us will say, look what I did. We'll all say together, in unison, look what the Lord has done. Some of you got the bike going down the road. You've read, you, you're riding it better than you've been riding it. But you've also got some memories that, ooh, man, if I do this, that's going to be painful. If I do that, mm, I'm going to have to get some methylate put on my, put a bandage around my head. And so you have a relationship with failure that has established your identity and created relationship now. And you'll do things on that bike you never thought you would do. Now, anybody want to get to the place where now, whew, man, the Jesus found me in 1974. And I started a race with him. And it got rocky, and it got challenging. Matter of fact, I felt like quitting the race a few times, but he didn't quit on me. And because of his grace and mercy and his patience and his long-suffering and his continual knocking on my door, I can stand here today and let, let you know he's faithful, he's passionate about you, and he won't shut up telling me that your best days are before you. And every time he speaks to me about someone, it's never negative. It's always up with excitement, anticipation. Oh, I hear negative stuff about lots of people, but that ain't never him talking. And I got a decision to make. When I hear that negative, oh, yeah, they might be involved in something they shouldn't be walking with the devil involved in, but... I got to remember, oh, he found me too. 
Oh, he was graceful and merciful to me too. Who do I think I am standing with the accuser against anyone when he already purchased them? And he's standing at the door asking them to come. And he asked me to be his mouthpiece so that he could love them through me, encourage them through me, edify them through me. But you don't understand, Pastor, man, they messed up. They've done some stupid stuff. We need to send them to jail. Yeah, well, the moment you send them to jail, you go to jail too. That's what Jesus said. You send anybody to jail, and they probably need to be in jail. But I'm not the judge, and neither are you. But if you send them to jail, guess you got to go to jail. And the only way you can get out of jail is let them out. And Jesus made this statement. So likewise shall your father do also to you if you do that to them. The one thing he cannot forgive is unforgiveness. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when I'm holding unforgiveness in my spirit, I don't sleep well. And I come to these checkpoints on my journey that has attitudes that are not like him. And that's my signal. I'm not running the race he gave me to run. I want to point out something to you. We have a family in this house. Wave your hand, Glenn. This is Glenn Childers right here. If you don't know him, you want to know him. Mighty, mighty for the kingdom of God. God's got plans for him that is going to wow him. But he'll tell you that. He knows he can't figure it out. He wishes he could figure it out, but he's ready. But Glenn and Teddy, wow. I mean, let me say why. If you haven't met them, you need to meet Glenn and Teddy. And I know Glenn is saying, Pastor Lowe, please don't do this. But you got to be ready for the Lord to use you. I've known Glenn and Teddy for whew, 13, it's been a while. And if you know them, you would think what they're going through is unfair. That's, I, I've said that's where I'm at. It's like, Daddy, mm. uh, But the patience and the and the dynamics that that family demonstrates. I've been in their house when they had 80-plus people in their house, and they're serving them. And it's, it's like I, my hands down just got, wow, i never seen nothing like this. And everybody is being ministered to and loved on, and you don't want to leave. But if you know their situation, you're going, how are they doing this? Nathan is a prize from heaven treasure from heaven that God gave to Glenn and Teddy his treasure because God trusted them with it. I've watched the children's family bring family after family to services on Sunday. And you're thinking, how are they getting out there and knowing these people with all that they're responsible for that's unfair? Nathan, the, the treasure, just had surgery on his back. Two steel rods from the head all the way to the tail. He's 12 years old. When you find out about Teddy and Glenn and Miles, you're going to be ministered to. And, and all of a sudden, what's going to happen is you're going to realize, and I thought I had challenges. And I thought I was going through something. 
come on, what, what if we can't lose? And I have personally, through grace of God and their kindness, they've let me be a part of them winning people into the kingdom. I've been right there as they're baptized in his name. I've been, I watched them be filled with the Spirit. But if you go look at their situation, how is it that they're impacting their community on the level they're impacting their community with what they're dealing with because it looks like they're losing? And many of you would say, I couldn't handle that. I, I just, Lord, take me. I can't do this. What if we don't? What if we can't lose? What if it's a setup for us to be the winner God designed us to be? What if where you are in your storm, whatever it is you're going through, you said, Lord, I want to be your man. I want to be your girl. I want to be your child. And I need you to trust me with your plan, Lord. I'm, I'm ready to go with you. What if that is important for you to be made into the winner God wants you to be? The only way anyone can lose, and Christianity is losing from a lens. If you look at it, Christianity is losing across the board. They didn't do well during the pandemic. And you know what? Daddy's okay. It's okay because it was a wake-up call. Jesus didn't have a problem with the pandemic. He don't have problems with any disease because he already took the stripes. He beat disease 2,000 years ago. And he don't lie. Christianity didn't do well during the pandemic, but that's okay because that's part of the process of you coming into your winter status. Now I know. Thank you, Lord. And I understand the spirit of fear because the spirit of fear promotes the fear of dying. Jesus defeated death. 2000. Why is death still working today? Because we have a fear of dying, what Paul said. And when you have a fear of dying, it promotes something in you, amen, that holds you captive as the worst kind of slave where you can be in. Slavery's been happening since Adam left the Lord in the garden. But the worst kind of slavery is the fear of dying. But you know what? He beat death. Now he's waiting on us to let him give us not the spirit of death. That's what the enemy does. But he gives us the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Are you ready to let God cover the nakedness? Can anybody know what nakedness looks like? Yeah, it's messed up. Does God know how to cover it? Yeah. How does he do it? His presence. That's why we're available. That's why we are hosting God's presence. It covers us. And when he gives you his spirit, he gives you identity. He gives you purpose. Amen. He shows you the reason that creation is going to be blessed is because you're walking with him. If you'll just say what he says, it works. <sighs> if we stand.